Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening to all the brothers and sisters who congregate in this very wonderful church in many places around the world, in different places around the world, over 60 countries who congregate, who gather together because they have gotten to know the God of glory. They have gotten to know the true living God, the God that manifests himself, the God that lives and who rules. So this is the God who we praise like the chorus we have just sung. We praise, we revere our God because he deserves it. And so a greeting to you all and also to the brothers and sisters present here with me. God bless you greatly and you may now be seated. You can get comfortable in your place. All praise, all honor and glory be for our God. And as a psalm says, who is like our God? He is who manifests himself. He is the one who works wonders. We live for him. We live by him. He deserves the honor and the glory. And how sad it is that in some countries, they don't even believe in God. All the beings who are born, they take away and steal that idea of God. They are born and raised and develop into adults and do not know God exists. And this is very sad. But I also know many of these people who have had the opportunity to get to know this path and the word of God has come to their lives. And today they believe in a God who is invisible, in a supernatural being who is extraordinary, a being who gives peace, who gives happiness to man, to human beings. So this also fills us with enthusiasm and with joy, happiness to see these people who were born without the belief in God. And today they know the church and they've enjoyed prophecy. They're enjoying the presence of the Holy Spirit and how beautiful that is. And we see the joy in these people. So this is very wonderful to see as well. And so we must continue on in this work, in this fight. And all of us who are here, all of you there, God, God has given each of us a responsibility of testifying, of talking about God, of preaching the name of the Lord and sharing our experiences, sharing everything that you live or have experienced with God. So all of us, we have this work, this responsibility, and one day we will be in the Lord's presence and he is going to render an account of our actions and works. And he's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? So we always must be attentive to work and to serve the Lord, right? This is what we must do with all of our heart. And today we're going to open our Bible in Second Peter. We're going to continue in Second Peter in chapter 3. And we're going to read starting from verse 1 to 13. Chapter 3, verse 1 to 13. And thus the word of the Lord reads. And it starts here in the epistle of the apostle Peter. This is written to the believers, the Christians of that time, 
But what perhaps Peter never thought about is that after so many years, the same words given by the Holy Spirit who used him would then be useful to our lives today as it will be useful to the future spiritual lives, those future generations, because it is the living word of the Spirit of God. It was spoken, the Lord using human beings to speak and to talk to man, to talk to humanity, the Lord using man for this very thing. So we feel very proud because we feel like instruments in the hands of God. And so Peter here says, Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets, and of the commandment of us. Now he is reminding them, that when our Lord Jesus Christ was on earth preaching, he spoke concerning all of these topics. And the apostle says to them, Remember, be mindful of what the Lord has spoken to you. Remember what the prophets in antiquity spoke of concerning the Lord, concerning the gospel, the perfect gospel of the Lord, concerning the Savior who would come. And this is why he says to them, remember, do not forget. And he says not, did he just speak by the prophets in antiquity, but also the apostles. I'll read verse number two again, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days. So this is in the future. These scoffers will walk according to their own lusts. And all of this, this has come to pass. All of these revelations or prophecies given here by the Apostle Peter, they have come to pass as time has gone by. And there have been scoffers, there have been people that are liars and deceiving, people who are materialistic, who only seek financial profit, and there was no sincerity in the hearts of these people. But they came against the word of God. They were against his promises. And in this manner is how they would persuade many to turn back, to not continue on in the path of the Lord, and much less to praise the Lord and to give him the honor as he deserves. Now in verse 4, these people, it says in saying, where is the promise of his coming? Or they say this, where is the promise of the coming of the Lord? Now, didn't he say he was going to come soon and it's been over 2,000 years and he has not returned in the clouds as he promised? And well, that is the question a lot of people have. And God was revealing to Peter that that's what was going to happen. But let's continue reading. 
and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. So nothing strange has happened. Verse 5, the apostle says, For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water and in the water. Let's remember that in Genesis 1, when it says that in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, that everything was covered by water. And that God separated the waters. And then land was created and also the seas and the clouds. Now, all of that was simply by the word of God. With one simple word of God, all of these things were created. And so the apostle says that these who speak and criticize, saying, well, when is the Lord coming? Because he said it would be soon, but this soon has now turned to 2,000 years. So these people ignore that God, God is powerful and that he gives us no explanation of time. For our Lord Jesus Christ, they asked him, when would all of the things happen? When would he come? When would the end of the world take place? And the Lord said, no one would know, not even the angels, that only the Father, the Heavenly Father knew. And so with the coming of the Lord, it is exactly the same. No one knows when. No one could say They had revelation of it, and they know the date because this would be a lie. The Lord's word is not a lie, and the Lord said that he is the only one who knows, and it is in the time that people least expect. So this is why we all must be prepared and ready every day of our life in case the Lord returns. But if perhaps death comes to this person before the Lord returns, Well, this person dies before God. They die doing God's will. So that is when God has a special place prepared for them to enjoy. Now, we also know these things, and this is why we are concerned. This is why we make an effort, and we strive each day to do what is best before the Lord, to keep his commandments. They are not difficult after We receive his help. It becomes very easy. When we love God, all things are simple. And we are able to walk uprightly waiting for the Lord to return or for death to perhaps surprise us. But either way, we must walk uprightly before the Lord. This is what's important. And in verse number six, now, as God had given his word and everything was done by his word, it says, by which the world... In that time, it says, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. Now, this was when Noah built the ark, and all perished, all died, and only Noah and his family were saved. And in verse number seven, it says, but the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved, meaning what we see today, which are now preserved by the same word, the same word of God are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. God is the only one who knows 
when all of these things will happen. But we do not want to be ungodly. We do not want to be disobedient. We want to be children of God. And in verse 8, But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. This was implying that perhaps it seems like 2,000 years that have passed is a long time. Because in that time, when the Lord ascended into the heavens and gave commandments to the apostles, they began to preach repentance, seek God, because the Lord will return in the clouds very soon. They began to say, very soon the Lord will be returning in the clouds to gather his people. And 2,000 years have passed, and this is why there are scoffers who criticize and speak these things. But in verse number 8, it says that for the Lord, one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. We see that for God, there is no time. There is no time in the Lord. Time only exists for us human beings, but for God, time does not exist. It is all the same to him. It is all relative. One day to a thousand years. These are mysteries, profound things of God that we are not able to understand. But we have to believe it. And we do. We believe it because that is what faith is. It is believing in what we do not see and in what is still not palpable. But we must believe because God spoke it. That's it. And in verse number nine. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Meaning, the Lord is giving us an opportunity. He's giving us a very long opportunity of much time, of many years. He is giving us this opportunity to live an upright life so that we do not perish. Thanks to the mercy of God. Thanks to his love. To his promises. Thanks to his word. God is wonderful. Verse number 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. In which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. This implies that when the Lord returns, when everything has come to an end, it will be by fire. Destruction will come by fire. In antiquity, before when the Lord punished the first inhabitants of earth in the time of Noah, it was by water. But now it will be by fire. That destruction and punishment for this earth that is defiled by sin and the wickedness of men or humanity, rather. It is men and women. And in verse number 11 Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct 
and godliness. Now, as everything will be destroyed, we, we must be concerned about living a holy life, a righteous, upright life before God. And waiting, it says in verse 12, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Now, it is very sad for all of those that live this experience. I would say this is dreadful. I do not wish this on anyone. I long with all my heart that everyone, that all may know the path of the Lord, that all may love and cherish and exalt this God who rules over us, this God who rules all of nature the whole universe and the world may acknowledge and honor him. That is the desire of my heart, that all may come to the knowledge of God to enjoy him. Because if here on this earth, on this planet, in the moments that we are living, if we are happy, those who have gotten to know the Lord, we live happily full of happiness, joy, filled with hope. And we wait for God each day to give us something better or for God to supply all of our needs or to help to resolve our problems and difficulties, that we should always have that support. And we always wait in Him when there is sadness or affliction, when there is sickness. We say, I'm going to church. I'm going so that they pray for me and to see what the Lord tells me, what the Holy Spirit tells me. He is going to comfort me. He's going to guide me. He is going to tell me something, something that I will trust in and be confident in. I know that my life will change. All of my personal matters, they will all be resolved because God will help me. So we have this powerful God. And we always live trusting that the best comes from him. And every day, we also expect to progress in our spiritual life, waiting for God to help us with that. So in verse number 13, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So you see in verse 12, the apostle I'm going back to verse 12, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. So that's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen at the end of it all. When the Lord returns in the clouds, a lot of things will happen. And in verse 13, but us, we have the certainty, the conviction According to the promises of God, we, I would like for everyone, all the brothers and sisters, everyone who is standing before me watching, go ahead and read this verse. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth 
in which righteousness dwells. And now we're going to read a little bit about this promise that the Lord made in antiquity through his holy prophets in Isaiah 65, 17. Let us go now to Isaiah 65 from verse 17 to verse 20. Let us read about what God promised us through the prophets of antiquity, meaning this was before the time of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is why it says in verse number, are you already brothers and sisters? So it reads in verse 17, verse 17, for behold, I create new heavens and a new earth and the former shall not be remembered or come to mind. So God here is making the promise. This promise is being made through the prophet Isaiah. And this was many centuries before the time of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the Lord says, I'm going to create in the future a new heaven, a new earth. And in verse 18, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem. Now this Jerusalem is not speaking of the physical city, Jerusalem, but this is Jerusalem in the spiritual sense. This is spiritual Jerusalem. God created a physical city named Jerusalem and he created it to set it as an example. It was a metaphor of Zion and the church of God. And this was all in the spiritual sense. It was all used as a metaphor. All of the things that were to come spiritually through our Lord Jesus Christ. So the Lord first created things materially. And he would speak to people, give them commandments that they needed to do this or that. And honor this or that, that Jerusalem, that temple. Now, when we read history, the history of the temple that Solomon built, that God commanded him to build, and it says that God, he became very sad because everyone who dwelled on earth at the time sinned and they defiled the temple and the city itself was defiled by sin. This is why the Lord cast them away. And this is why in the future, he said he was going to form a new heaven a new earth where truly he was going to put inhabitants who lived in holiness and who praised him as he deserved. So these were the promises of the Lord. Now this is why he speaks of Jerusalem. He says, I will rejoice in Jerusalem, but not the physical one. It's the spiritual one because we know the physical one is a symbolism of the spiritual. And it says, enjoy in my people. But now it's not the people of antiquity called the people of Israel, but it's now with his people, the believers in Christ, the children of God, all of those who submit and do God's will, who live a holy, upright, godly life, they, they are the work of the gospel, the work of Jesus Christ, they. And so all of us, we here have the hope of belonging to that people, right? So 
the people here, it says, I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. The voice of weeping shall no longer be heard in the city of Jerusalem, nor the voice of crying. Now we said we're going to read up to verse 20, which says, no more shall an infant now in that new heaven, new earth that God is going to create in the future. It says, no more shall an infant from there live but a few days, nor an old man who has not fulfilled his days. For the child shall die 100 years, and the sinner being 100 years old shall be accursed. Meaning, time will not exist here. Time will not exist in that new heaven, in that new earth. And the Lord says that they will be building, they will be planting, they will be working, they will be dwelling along with the beasts of the field, all of the domestic animals, and no one, no one shall hurt each other because there will be so much peace from God and blessings and happiness that will be lived in this new Jerusalem that all will be able to dwell together in this community, praising and enjoying that eternal happiness. These are the promises of God for the future. And in Isaiah, well, I'm not reading the entire chapter, which goes over this topic because it would take too much time. But in Isaiah 66, in Isaiah 66, verse 22 to 24 reads, the Lord says, for as the new heavens and the new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, says the Lord. So shall your descendants and your name remain. It shall remain for all eternity. Now, once again, through Isaiah, the Lord repeats his wonderful promise of the new heavens and the new earth. And this is why the Apostle Paul or the Apostle Peter was reminding the believers of these promises and telling them that they needed to continue on in this righteous path, in this path that leads to eternal life, that they must continue in this path to enjoy all of these blessings from God. Now in verse 23, it reads, And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another, and from one Sabbath to another. Now the Sabbath, we know this is a spiritual Sabbath. It is our Lord Jesus. He is our rest. And it continues and says, All flesh shall come to worship before me, says the Lord. And they shall go forth and look upon the corpses of the men who have transgressed against me. For their worm does not die, and their fire is not quenched. They shall be an abhorrence to all flesh. This is saying that when all of those things occur, people, those who did not want to accept the Lord's path, who did not want to believe in God, and much less praise Him and worship Him and give Him the first place, these people... They will be condemned. It says that they will be cast into that eternal fire, but there, their conscience will carry on. It says their worm does not die. It means this person will never lose the knowledge and the notion of the things that they did in life, of how they became enemies of God, of how they were ungodly, a wicked man or woman who did not accept the things of God, a person who went against those who sought the Lord, against the children of God, those who would seek the children of God to sacrifice them, take their life and do many things to them. And so all of these people will be there suffering constantly, but always remembering how they lived and what they did 
and they will suffer. So this pain will never go away. So this is why I would like for all of us, all of humanity, all the millions and millions of people in the world, for everyone to know God, for everyone to know and to praise and to love God and to follow the Lord's ways in order to be happy and have eternal life, to be happy in this new heaven, new earth that God has prepared. So this is the work we all have, your work. It is to talk about God, to tell people about the Lord and share with people the miracles, the things that God does in our lives and to say to them, God exists. He is a reality. It's not a lie. It's not a myth. It's not a tale. It's something real. God exists and he speaks today. God manifests himself. This is what we need to tell people, teach people. This is our duty. Now in Revelation, let's now go over to Revelation to talk about that new heaven, that new earth regarding that promise the Lord made. In Revelation chapter 21, we're going to read from verse 1 to 3. Which says, are you all ready? I want everyone to read. You can go ahead and read verse 1. Go ahead. It says, now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also, there was no more sea. Now, Revelation, the book of Revelation, it is the revelation God gave to the Apostle John. John was in prison in an island named Patmos. It was near the Mediterranean Sea. And he was imprisoned because he was preaching the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So while he was there in prison, he had revelations from God. It was many visions that God revealed and showed him of the things that would happen in the future. Well, because in Revelation, and I would like for us to read in chapter 1, Revelation, without losing our place in 21, in Revelation 1, it says the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, I've already said that John was a prisoner he was in a prison in the island of Patmos, and it was by the Mediterranean Sea. So the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant, John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy, the prophecy of revelation. And it says, and keeps those things which are written in it, those prophecies written in revelation. It says, for the time is near. God himself gives these revelations to John and tells him the time is near. Now, if we count how long the time has passed. It's been more than 2,000 years. But since time does not exist for God, right, brothers and sisters, we're not going to be confused by this, nor are we going to stop believing. 
So now let's go back to 21, Revelation 21. I've already told you what the book of Revelations is about. It is the revelations God gave to John and it is concerning the end. It is the future. So this is why it says here, now I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth, meaning this is where we are and we're enjoying this earth. And when we look above, we see the heavens. It says that this first earth and that first heaven have passed away. Also, there was no more sea. So what do you think of that? What do you think of this new heaven, this new earth? It says there is no more sea. It does not exist anymore. And then it says, then I, John, saw the holy city, new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So it says, John saw that holy city, new Jerusalem. But when he saw this, the Lord, we can see here at this point, the Lord has returned in the clouds for his people and he is held in a specific place in paradise because the Lord, he spoke to man on the day of his crucifixion. The Lord was in the middle of two men and there was a man who said to him, Lord, remember me when you are in your kingdom. And the Lord said to him today, Today you will be with me in paradise. We see there that the Lord, he sends his people to paradise. And when the Bible narrates that the Lord will return in the clouds to gather his church, his people, well, I'm sure he then takes them to paradise and they remain in paradise until what we're going to read about or what we're reading about comes to pass. So as John says, I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So they were also going to celebrate a marriage. And it says, and I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. The tabernacle of God is our Lord, our God. And it says, and behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. So up to this point, things are understandable to our human understanding. Now in verse four, it says, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. So now the Lord has already returned in the clouds, gathered his people. This is what's narrated in previous chapters, because again, we're reading chapter 21, and this is where it refers to that new heaven and new earth. And if you want to know about the Lord coming in the clouds for his people, then you need to read the previous chapters of Revelation. But like I said, the Lord is then in the clouds, gathered his people, and he will descend to celebrate the marriage of the Lamb. And the Lord, again, is our tabernacle. And I say ours because that is the hope we have to all be with the Lord on that day. And it says there will be no more death, nor sorrow, no crying. Everything has passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. So in the midst of the vision, in the midst of the revelation, 
that John had in those moments, the angel says to him, write. You need to write everything so that you do not miss a thing because everything needs to be left written for people, for the future generations, for everyone who will convert, for all the people to know the truth and the reality that awaits them. And thanks be to our God for these things. And it continues, write for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega. This was said by the Lord. The beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my son. What this is saying here, this is for all of us, for all of those who are still living here in this world on this earth that we need to overcome. It says he who overcomes and we need to overcome. And the day of our death is the end. It is our end, the end of our life. And how can death surprise us? Well, death will surprise us in God's path, doing God's will. Therefore, you can say, I have overcome. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. This is why we need to be concerned. Not so much about when is the Lord coming in the clouds, but be more concerned about how we live our life. What will our future be? What will happen when we are surprised by death? Where will we go? That is what we, we should think about. And aside from thinking of a specific place after death, we must also think and say, well, God deserves it all. He deserves the praise, the honor, the glory. He deserves that we give him the first place. God deserves that we love him above all things. That's it. So it says, he who overcomes shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my son. This is what the Lord promises all. And in verse eight, but the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable murderers. Now, this we do not like. I don't like to talk about all of these things of sin, these sins, because there are a few sins here, but there are thousands of sins. There are thousands of them. But this narrates or uses some examples. But we need to read here, and it says the cowardly, unbelieving. Now, how sad it is for all of those who they heard about God, all of those who one day enjoyed prophecy, and God spoke to them. The Holy Spirit spoke to them through the gift of prophecy, made them wonderful promises, but they left. They turned back to the world to live their sin to do evil things, and they are the cowardly and unbelieving. And the abominable, the murderers, those who did not want to repent, nor walk in the path of good, but delighted in their evil ways, always doing what is wrong and causing others to suffer, and contradicting God. Sexually immoral, sorcerers, and how this abounds. Sorcerers, this is very abundant nowadays in many countries. Sometimes the brothers and sisters say to me, Oh, sister, 
sorcery is abundant here in this country, this town. It's the cradle of sorcery. And I said, oh no, it's not just there. It's all over the place. All around the world, there is sorcery. Because the devil, he has incited people, has taught people to live an easy life, to try and earn their food or money easily. And the devil shows the easy ways of getting money. And as having money and having riches is a human weakness for the majority, this is why human beings do anything they can and they follow in suit of the devil with everything he teaches so that they can become rich or millionaires and they forget about God. So they forget about God and they live their life the way they want because riches come first. Now, this matter of sorceries and uh, spiritism, witchcraft, they are ways of making money and making yourself wealthy. So this is why it's so abundant everywhere in all places. There is envy. There is hatred against people. So one against another, they go and try and cast hexes and curses. And as people are without God, the sorcery, the witchcraft, it does come to that person's life and body. Some with sicknesses, others with poverty, others with unhappiness, others with mental illnesses, etc., etc. It comes in different ways. That's how those curses come to these people's lives because they are without God. Now, there are many people who do witchcraft sorcery against the believers of God, the children of God, or those who are walking in the Lord's ways. Now, in those cases, they clash because God does not allow that to hurt his believers. The Lord protects them. The Lord protects his believers. But as you can see, all of this exists. And today, those who follow the Lord, we have a fight against the enemy. We fight against the enemy and all of these spiritual forces that are negative. We also fight against those around us. We fight against envy, gossiping, and complaints and covetousness, greed, materialism, slanders. We fight against people, against the enemy, against the spirits. This is our fight. But God has already taught us. And he helps us and he delivers us from all of those things. And we are here, regardless, before the Lord, living a happy life, a joyful life, because we trust in God who protects us from all of these things. So once again, listing some of these things, the apostle, using these as examples, he mentioned the idolaters as well. Now, idolatry is also very sad, just like sorcery. It is abundant in many nations. Idolatry. Now, one of these days, we'll focus and speak just about idolatry and what God teaches us about that. So we understand what that's about and why it is the way it is. And that we should preach and teach people so that they may flee from all of these things. So that they can enjoy and receive God's blessings as we are receiving them. And very well, and it says, And all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire. How sad. 
It is a lake of fire and brimstone, which is the second death. This is all very sad. Now, we, of course, want to live in that new heaven, that new earth, right? Because it also explains here. It explains those who do not want to live in that new heaven, new earth. This is what Peter was trying to reiterate and remind the brothers and sisters. Let's go once again back to Peter. Second Peter. Now, it was I who lost the chapter, but now I found it. All right, second Peter. We had read up to verse 13. So now we're going to continue with verse 14. Peter now tells the believers in verse 13, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, the promise of the Lord, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him, by be found by the Lord in peace, without spot, and blameless. And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, as our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you. And he also has reminded you of the same things. And in verse 16, as also in all his epistles, in the epistles of Paul, Peter here acknowledges the following, that in almost all of the epistles of Paul, he speaks in them these things of the new heaven, new earth. And speaking of these things in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction as they do also the rest of the scriptures. So what do you think? The Apostle Peter admired the epistles of Apostle Peter. And of the doctrine God revealed to him, saying that he too had spoken of these topics, but there were some that were hard to understand. And therefore, that is why so many people who were inconsistent in their spiritual life, they were untaught, they were ignorant. It says that they would twist the path of our Lord and they would misinterpret God's word. And this is why there were so many religions that were surging, because that's exactly what happens today. They take a verse from the Bible and create a religion because the people are not guided by the Holy Spirit. They are not guided by the spiritual gifts of the Spirit by God himself. This is why they twist things because people are materialistic and greedy. And it says unstable people. They are untaught and they twist. They twisted the path of the scriptures. So Peter, he says, you therefore beloved since you know this beforehand, beware, lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. So he's saying, continue being steadfast and grow, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because now it happened 2000 years ago, and now we have thousands of religions. Why? Why has all of this happened? Well, it's because of the untaught, the unstable. They have twisted the Lord's ways. And only the Holy Spirit is the only one who is able to conduct us down righteousness way. 
He could conduct and lead a group of people or a church. And we, very proudly, I say this, we, we have found the path of the Lord. We have prayed and God has manifested himself in our lives and he has spoken to many. He has shown many and convinced many to continue to follow in this path because God will bless them. Many and thousands testify of the peace and the joy God has given them, of the revelations and the teachings, the doctrine God has given them as well. And how God has revived his word in our lives because we have read this. And when we read this, God brings this to life because there are people who say this book is outdated. It's obsolete. The Bible is not used anymore. It's to be held and kept in a library as a decoration. But when we read it, the Holy Spirit descends in our lives. He brings it to life. He clarifies things. He gives us visions and dreams. He edifies us. Who does this? A human being does not have the capability to do that for another human being. It is only God. Only a supernatural being can he do all of these wonderful things. This is our God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. And one day he will create that new heaven, that new earth. And we, we want to be there. We want to be a part of that marriage. We want to participate and be there with our God because he will be our tabernacle. So our God will help us. And I invite you all to read the Bible. Open your heart. Prepare your heart. Prepare yourselves for God. Humble yourself. Be modest and say, Lord, I want to know your ways. I want you to teach me, to guide me. To lead me. I'm going to read and you will help me learn. And you will give me your Holy Spirit so that it may dwell in me. And so things will be easier for me. It'll be simpler to follow your path. And that is how we need to ask the Lord. And I invite you all, first time guests, newcomers, soften your heart. Do not harden your heart. Do not be reluctant. Do not be proud. But be humble and think about the fact that you will need to live eternal life with God. May God bless you all and let us pray to our God. Holy Father, Heavenly Father, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, our true God, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and Jacob, whom you spoke to and made wonderful promises that today we are living and enjoying. Holy Father, thank you, Lord, for your love and for your mercy, for your word, for your promises that are faithful and true. Thank you, eternal God. And we stand before you. May you pour showers of blessings upon us all, those showers of blessings for all. All want to receive your blessing. All want healings, for there are many that are ill, who are suffering of diverse diseases, and you know them all, and you know each person. May you give them physical healing, but also spiritual healing. Lord, stretch out your mighty hand and bless all May you remove foolishness, stubbornness, and hardness of heart. 
and remove the unfaithfulness of some. Remove all doubts and soften hearts so that you may come in and dwell in our being, in our life, may dwell in hearts so that we are able to be an example to the world, to live the life that you teach us to live so that the world may know that you exist and that you deserve the honor, that you deserve the praise, that you deserve us to place you on high every day of our life. Holy Father, in the glorious name of Jesus Christ, your beloved Son, I ask blessings for all, healings and deliverance, and that you rebuke all evil spirits, that you remove witchcraft and sorcery, all curses, for there are many that are suffering due to these issues and difficulties that the devil places in many people's lives. Lord, have mercy. Have mercy of us all and help us to continue. And Lord, we praise you. We give you the honor, the glory, all worship. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the glory and all power. And to you, all human beings will come before you and humble themselves. And they will praise your name and ask for forgiveness. Thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, glory be to the Lord forever. Let us sing to the Lord. The chorus titled, The Lord Put Gladness in My Heart. And that is very true. God has brought gladness to our heart. Chorus 122. Let us sing. El trajo gozo a mi El trajo gozo a mi ser. Ahora cada día me ama fiel. El trajo gozo a mi ser. El trajo gozo a mi ser. El trajo gozo a mi ser. Ahora cada día me ama fiel. El trajo gozo a mi ser. Glory to our God. Thank you very much, dear brothers and sisters. God bless you. Until next time, and for the children, a kiss, and for all of you, a big hug. God bless you. Thank you.